0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. And I have a confession to make every time I read this next line. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into. I have to really concentrate to say today's topic without it being you know, like just something uh, really <laughs> stumbling over my own words there. I like to say that I have a peach and spediment. Some of you will laugh about that in 30 seconds, but. Um, Like, I just stumble over my own letters every once in a while. So that one's a big concentration. We all feel our pain, Joe. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Well, (laughs) from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think and talk and live and make decisions. But when everyone disagrees, how do we cut through the noise? How do we sift through all that information overload and choose what actually governs our lives? Well, as we pray and process these things, we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions Hello Jeffrey.
1: Hello Joe. I'm here for you. Oh thanks, man Did you air your personal pain publicly That's r- to the world?
0: Really what I, We've actually never had a submitted question. These are all my questions, Jeff <laughs> 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 Things I just don't want to admit out loud, but thanks for calling my calling me to the carpet. We're here for you. Yeah. Me, me and all the mixed messages community. That's right. We're just we're just supporting you. All of those people that just, you know, abide by the facade and they come up to me and say, Hey, thanks for addressing my question. I just give them a wink, like, Thanks for making it seem like questions are yeah. submitted.
1: <laughs> how do we know? How do we know? We should get t shirts made, Joe. Like, how oh. do we know who the mixed messages community is?
0: You know, I bet we can make that happen. Or
1: we could get tattoos. Everybody who listens you know on a what? regular basis we gets can't a tattoo. Make that
0: happen. <laughs> Uh, now I would be totally in on getting those like washcloth uh, they are on your skin for three days. Tattoos? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> um, well, today's quote-unquote submitted question, yes, <laughs> from Joe Caruso. No, uh, our listener writes in: There are so many versions of the Bible. How do I choose the right one? Why do why do some have Jesus's words in red and others don't? I've always been told the words in red are the most important, so why don't all versions have them printed in red? Was I taught wrong? Is one version better or worse than another? Is one wrong or right? Uh, do, do they all essentially say the same thing despite their differences? Like, how do we choose which one to read? Mm, that's a very, very good question. So, um,
1: And it's probably one of the more important questions that you should ask in, in your spiritual journey. So there are all kinds... Of versions of the Bible. And when we say versions, uh, I don't mean like some Bibles talk about Jesus, some Bibles talk about Muhammad, some Bibles. Uh, what we mean is is that um, there are different translations mm-hmm. of the Bible, and then there are different paraphrases of the Bible. So mm-hmm. let's go back and remember what the Bible is. So the Bible... Is a collection of historical records and letters that were uh, uh, collected over time and compiled into what we call our Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, those historical records and letters went through enormous academic rigors, they went through prayerful consideration, And they were brought together in what's called the canon, Mm -hmm. or they were brought together in the authorized version of the Bible. And uh, the Bible says about itself that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit carried the authors along. We believe that the Holy Spirit also carried along the Church Fathers, the scholars who were agreeing that these collection of 66 books is what we would call our bible mm-hmm. okay now the controversy that you run into is twofold one uh, people would say well what about the apocrypha what about the book of thomas what about the book of judah what about you know they found another book of the bible and what we would say is that that book does not pass the con- the canonical test mm-hmm. so the academic rigors that we put it through the spiritual rigors that we put it through uh, it is out of alignment, it is out of theology, it is not something that we believe is inspired by uh, the Holy Spirit. It may have been written by a church father um, that can even be trusted and value can be drawn from. It may have been written by a false teacher, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't pass this book, that this test. So, like, I, uh, uh, I have written seven books, I'm about ready to publish an eighth one. My books have value. My books are going to uh, represent the heart of God as closely as you can, as closely as I can, mm-hmm. but they are not the words of God. Right. Right. And so it's fine that maybe Thomas wrote a book, but when you put my book up against the rigors and the inspection that the book of uh, James is put against, it's not going to pass it no. because I wasn't inspired. Uh, by the Holy Spirit to write Scripture, so you wouldn't rule it in. Mm-hmm. So that's like the first part. Like there's some things that are ruled in, ruled out, and and uh, if somebody said, well, that's all human beings doing that, I would be like, right. Human beings were the disciples, human beings were the apostles, human beings... Moses was a human being, Dan, Daniel was a human being, and even Jesus was fully man mm-hmm. while being fully God, so... god's plan is human beings the church is something that jesus instituted it's run by human beings well can't that be corrupted it absolutely can be corrupted and can god protect it Mm -hmm. Absolutely absolutely he can protect it so there's a faith that's involved there and what we look at in our bible are the words of Jesus the words of the apostles who were directly around Jesus, and then we tend to look at the books of the Old Testament that Jesus quoted or referred to. Right. So we would kind of build it around the person of, of Jesus Christ. So that's the Bible. So that's kind of layer one. Layer two, then, uh, what we would call the Bible is a translated book, so it's translated from Hebrew, it's translated from Aramaic, and it's translated from Greek. Mm-hmm. And translations can vary. Sure. So uh, the word for computer in Portuguese may mean um, uh, machine that computes. Mm-hmm in Spanish, that same word may be silver box with electronics in it.
0: Well, for an example, if uh, an English speaker asked, how do you say, what is your name in Spanish? Almost every Spanish speaker would respond, como te llamas. Well, that is an accurate translation. But what those words actually say is, what do you call yourself? Yeah. Now, it means, what is your name? Right. And that is what everybody says when they're looking for the function of, what is your name? But como te llamas means, what do you call yourself? Yeah, And so that one translation would say, what do you call yourself? And another one would say, what is your name? They're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're just translated
1: differences. Mm-hmm. You would get that in figures of speech. Mm-hmm. I, I was yes. in Brazil one time. My wife, Heidi, is Brazilian. I was down there teaching. She was translating for me. And I said, um, we hit the road and we came down to Brazil. And she looked at she stopped translating. She looked at me, and she goes, hit the road. And and so later on, we're talking about it, and she's like, "That means like you punch the asphalt, <laughs> you know." <laughs> so like when like I've you've done this too, Joe. Like we've we've preached in different mm-hmm. countries. You actually preach with a translator, who knows what you're trying to say, right? And they're going to swap words in and out. That is the nature of translation. Yes, absolutely. Right? So. If you're asking what version of the translation is a good one or a bad one, I'm going to say it's going to be the version that is as close to the actual word and dead on the actual meaning, Hmm. right? So as close to the actual word. So sometimes, and you're using three different languages and translating them into Greek, Sometimes you can't use the actual word, or a word doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to choose a word that is tied to the actual meaning, where the translator is doing everything within their power, and it's a spiritual endeavor for them that they are accurately translating the Word of God, okay? Now... Can that process be corrupted? 100% yes, it can be. Sure. Okay? So there are translations that political powers have altered things, and actually the King James Version is an example of that. Uh, there are translations that people have intentionally changed the meaning. So the the new NIV or revised NIV Bible, they, they purposely made it gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they purposely changed the meaning of, of some of the verses, and we could go on and on and on. Uh, there's been Bibles written where the miracles have been ta- taken out. Uh, there's been Bibles that have been produced that that uh, alter, uh, add books in. The Apocrypha would be an example of this, where they add books in uh, so that the Church's doctrine is supported. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for a translation that is using the language as close as it can be used with the meaning as close as it can be done. Can it be corrupted? Yes. Can God supernaturally protect His Word? Yes, He can. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's that's what I start to look for, and there are translations that I would trust more than uh, other translations. I would trust the New American Standard... I would trust what's called the 1979 NIV, and then I tend to trust the New Living Translation. They, I would generally trust the uh, the ESV, the English Standard Version. There's other translations that I would not trust, mm-hmm. right? But that, those would be a few if I was kind of starting and be like, yeah, those translators for those reasons are... Um, doing their very best to do that. Now that's translation. On top of that, then, there are paraphrases. In some paraphrases, the paraphrase or is doing their best to represent the heart and mind of God, and in some paraphrases, they're trying to change it. Mm. So a paraphrase that I would say has value is the message by Eugene sure. Peterson. But it's not the Bible. mm so it ge- it's like Jeff wrote a book, right? It gives you insight to the Bible. It's real interesting. Eugene Peterson is a uh, a trustworthy spiritual leader, but he does not claim to have translated the Bible. Right? He was literally paraphrasing it to help his children understand it, mm-hmm. okay? So you might hear, even here at Grace Church, we might quote the message, uh, but we're going to quote the message. We're not going to say... God says in First Peter chapter two, right? We're going to say the message wrote it this way, and I thought that that was insightful. Uh-huh. Okay, so those are probably the big differences, and and then the um, the listener might ask, like, well, why are there so many translations? Well, that's easy. the The Bible is the best selling book in the history of the world, mm-hmm. so there's money to be made. And when publishers can produce something different and they can put another line out, that's why for so many centuries the King James Version was the only version that you could get. Well, before that was the Gutenberg, Before right? Mm-hmm. So before that were the scrolls that the monks... But when you trace it back, um, the monks who were, tr- who were copying the Bible from scroll to scroll viewed it as an act of worship if they made a mistranslation they would or, or they made a mistake they misspelled something they would literally burn the scroll and then i've actually personally seen bibles that have blood on them because they would they uh, a monk laid their body over the word of god that they were translating before they would allow it to be defiled or ruined so you trust that, uh-huh. right? Um, and you trust that God, just like God inspires people to preach, or God inspires people to serve, or God inspires people to... He inspired people, He motivated them, and those people still exist today, like Whitcliffe Bible translators. Uh-huh. I trust them, they love Jesus, and they love people, and they're translating the Bible into languages it's not translated into. They're doing the exact same thing that people have done so that people can know the heart and mind of God, not so they can make a buck off of it right? or disturb it. Now, when you get into things, like his questions was about the red letters, all that is is editing. So the chapters and verses in the Bible are not inspired by God. Right. That's stuff that man put in so that we could find our way around, like an internal library system. Yeah, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it. Nobody claims that it was inspired by God. Well, the same thing with the red letters. So that was an editor saying, "It'd be really good to highlight the words of Jesus." Sure, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's fine. It's a helpful thing. Um, Jesus's words are powerful and important and central to all of the scripture, so that's fine. Jesus' exact quotes aren't the only thing that God gives us. So he gives us what the Bible calls the whole counsel of God. So when I read the Bible, what I'm learning about is God. I'm not learning about myself, I'm learning about God. So for instance, um, David and Goliath is not about me defeating the giants in my life. David and Goliath is about an innocent one who offered himself for the sake of a nation, and God provided victory through him. It, it's a He's a prototype of who Jesus is. Now, David was real, and Goliath was real, but why did God have that story preserved? Because there's a Billion other stories that aren't in the Bible that uh-huh. God was involved with, right? Why do you have that story preserved? Because he wanted us to know about who he was. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so when you start looking at that, if you guys want to do something crazy, I don't have it here in front of me, and this is a podcast anyways, but if you want to do something crazy, Google um, the, co- the cross-reference chart of the Bible. Uh-huh. Just Google it, hit images, and you'll see it. It is impossible to create that intricacy and that cross-pollination over hundreds of years with 66 different books and all kinds of different authors in three different languages across multiple cultures. Yeah, if you look
0: at um, cross-reference chart for the Bible, you'll end up seeing something that almost looks like a miscolored rainbow, and you'll see all of these lines going back and back and forth, and uh, it's it's pretty spectacular. I've seen these before. It's definitely worth uh, taking a look at. Um, yeah. So.
1: And it, it helps to give you faith mm-hmm. that God preserved what only God can preserve, and, and we enjoy it today. Yeah. Does the Bible contradict itself? No. Is the Bible written by man, through God by man? Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Mark is going to see a situation differently than Matthew did, right? And there's all kinds of neat—we could totally nerd out there for a while if we wanted, but there's all kinds of neat reasons why God had it happen that way. But Uh that's probably the high-level stuff that maybe our listener is looking for.
0: Yeah, there's some neat um, metaphors I've heard before, because God is relational, and so even as God uh, inspires his prophets and apostles to write the Scriptures— He's talking to his people relationally, and, you know, if you looked at one child and they asked, you know, can I drive the car, Dad? You're like, sure. And the next child comes up who's 14, Dad, can I take the car out for a spin? You're like, no. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and then there's all kinds of different scenarios you could build in there. It's like—
1: But the character of the father is not contradictory.
0: Right. Just because he tells one person one thing and another person another thing doesn't mean that he— is different. It means he knows who he's talking to. Yeah, and so um, there, because I I've seen the 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 sites out there that are like, here's the twenty five contradictions that are obvious in the Bible. And as a pastor, as someone that's pretty learned in the scriptures, I've like read through. Them like, oh, you're just trying to make a clickbait article. Like yeah. these are not <laughs> uh, what you think they S- are.
1: Scripture's different. So some some parts of scriptures are prophetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, some parts of scriptures are. Uh, Poetic. Poetic. They're mm-hmm. metaphorical. There's songs. There's history. There's firsthand accounts. There's uh, advice and counsel. There is prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so it, you. This is where being a little bit of a student of the Bible, and this is probably where like most people like trust their pastor, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. The last thing I'll say about this that I think is important is this. The Bible specifically says it should not be attitude or taken away from. Not not a, a the Old King James says jot or tittle should mm-hmm. be you know removed from this, and that's important uh, because when like a hundred years ago Joseph Smith is like I have a totally new revelation and it changes everything. That's why that's false and mm-hmm. it's a cult. Uh, that's why people look in the Bible and they'll say like uh, for. For 6,000 years, uh, humanity knew what sexual identity was. And now that humanity doesn't want it to be that way, you're not going to believe it. In the most studied, ridiculed, and critiqued book on planet Earth, we found a verse that supports our position. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're making that up. Uh, because it's never been there. And for 6,000 years, it's been studied, ridiculed, and critiqued. It's not it's not just like the home team said it. Mm-hmm. It's the most criticized book in the world. Nobody ever looked and saw what you see mm-hmm. until you wanted it to say that. So the Bible's really, really strong about that. It's like, you don't take from this that you don't, you don't add to it. Um, that's also why you don't add to it. And not only that, wife you should stay at home and be quiet in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not in there. Right. Right? So the Bible can be weaponized. Uh, The Bible can be abused. Uh, When the Bible was used to promote and uh, control slaves Mm -hmm. in North America, the Bible's abused. But the the correction to the abuse is in the book. Mm Mm-hmm. And the correction to the false teacher is in the book. The Bible says you give me $1,000 and you get a private jet. The the correction to identify that person as a false teacher is also in there. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's unique about it. it it's not formulaic. It, like you said earlier, it's relational. It's a, it's a book that is supposed to be studied, but what you find in it is not the structures and the rhythms you find you're studying the heart and the mind of god Mm -hmm.
0: well i hope that this conversation is helpful not only to the question asker but also to the rest of our audience as we continue to figure out how do we engage the heart and mind of god through the scripture that he's given us. There's Whether you're a reader, a studier, a meditator, um, a listener to the scripture, uh, engage it. Um, Continue to seek after God, and of course, if we can help you in any way take unique steps or find resources in studying it, we would love to help you do so. There's so much richness, not only in that pursuit, but also in the closeness that you can uh, begin to garner with God himself. If we can answer any of the questions you might have, you can submit those at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more of it, make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, and review our podcast. If you're looking for a community of people who value pursuing Jesus, value pursuing God, and value what is in the scripture, you can always find us here at Grace Church on the weekend or online. Thank you so much for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. We'll see you next time.